reliable is that Bible in your hand? Have you ever spoken with anyone who told you that they just couldn't believe the Bible because it is filled with so many errors and mistakes? Hi, I'm David Dennis with the Kansas Communities Ministry with the Navigators. I'm so thankful you join me today as we explore this topic of the reliability of Scripture. Jesus taught in Matthew 7, 24 through 27, that we should build our house on the solid rock of his word. He says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who has built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. He says that we should build our house by obeying his commands, by obeying his word. If we don't do that, it's like building a house on sand, which will surely crumble. In John 17:17, 17, 17, Jesus says that his word is truth. He's speaking to God the Father, and he says, your word is truth. Hebrews 4:12 is a very familiar passage to many of us. It says, for the word of God is quick, meaning alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. How reliable is Scripture? Today there are challenges. People say that Scripture is not all that reliable, that there are mistakes in it. But is that the case? Much of the information I have obtained is from Rick Cornish in his little book, Five Minute Apologist, published by Nav Press. I'll link to that in the show notes. He talks about the three I's, the three words that start with I. The first is inspiration, the second is infallibility, and the third is inerrancy. Let's look at these. Scripture is inspired. The concept of inspiration goes back to the idea of what is the source or the origin of Scripture. 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17 says, All Scripture is inspired by God. Not just part of it, but all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Sometimes we think that the people were inspired who wrote Scripture, but that's not what it says. It says that the Scripture itself, the words themselves, were inspired, breathed out, given by God. The perfect God was the author of Scripture. The source of Scripture is God himself. The second I is infallibility. Infallibility. Infallibility refers to the authority and the enduring nature of Scripture. Matthew 5.18 says, For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law until all is fulfilled. Jesus promises that his word will endure to the end. In John 10.35, Jesus says that the Scripture cannot be broken. It has authority. 
And in Isaiah 55, 10 and 11, it says, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. It is infallible. It will not fail in the purpose for which God sent it. And finally, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 23 through 25, Peter says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass, and, the glory, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. It is infallible. It endures forever and forever, and it has authority. The third eye reminds us of inerrancy. Inerrancy it simply means that the original writings, the autographs, were without error. John seventeen seventeen, Jesus said, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Classically, inerrancy has meant that there are no errors whatsoever. There are no errors, period, in Scripture. And that refers to the original writing, the autographs. If there are apparent contradictions in Scripture, they can be harmonized. Or, perhaps, God hasn't chosen to reveal the answers to us yet. This whole idea is based on the fact that the author, God himself, is the one that breathed out Scripture. Since the author is perfect, God himself breathed out his word, and therefore the original writings were without error. Now, we're not claiming that all translations of Scripture down through the ages are without error, but we are believing and claiming that the original writings were without error. Now, it's interesting, we don't have the original writings available to us. We have multiple manuscripts. The word manuscript actually means just a handwritten uh, writing, a handwritten copy. So the original writings written by uh, Paul and the uh, gospel writers and so on, and the writer to the Hebrews, I'm talking about the New Testament here primarily, they were copied and copied and copied numerous times. The earliest writings we have of complete the complete New Testament dates back to about the 4th century and maybe even prior to that. But we have fragments dating back to within 100 years of the original writings. How does that compare with other ancient writings? The quality of manuscripts are judged by... Um, how many manuscripts are available to us now, how many copies we have available, and the proximity of those manuscripts that we have to the original writings. So let's look at some examples of what we have with ancient writings. Aristotle's writings, we have only five copies of them, five manuscripts. The original writings were written about 300 B.C., the most ancient copy we have dates to 1,400 years after the original writings. Herodotus is a Greek historian. We have eight manuscripts extant from his uh, the copies of writings from him. The original was written somewhere around 400 B.C. And the earliest copies we have available to us 
were written 1,300 years after the original. Caesar's Gallic War, we have 10 copies of that manuscript. The original writing was written around 50 B.C., and the earliest copy of that we have is written 1,000 years uh, from that time. So out of those three writings, uh, the originals, the earliest copies we have were between 1,000 and 1,400 years after the original writings. Then we have Homer's Iliad. We have more of those. We have 600 copies of those. The original writings were written back in 800 B.C. approximately. But still, the oldest copies we have available to us were written some 1,000 years after the originals. How does that compare to the New Testament? Well, it's amazing that God in His providence has allowed us to have so many copies of the New Testament available to us. There are almost 6,000 Greek manuscripts available to us. The, date, the uh, age of the original, of course, was back in the first century A.D. The earliest copies we have, fragments we have, date to within 100 years of that time. Dr. Dan Wallace at Dallas Seminary, who is an authority on um, textual criticism says that we have copies dating back to within two to three decades of the original writings, which is just phenomenal. The the majority of manuscripts that we have, however, date to within uh, date to about 350 to 400 A.D., so within three to 400 years of the originals. There's a science and an art called textual criticism. Textual criticism basically means looking at all the different copies that we have of any document, be it scripture or whatever document, and trying to get back to the original based on all those copies. So we have nearly 6,000 manuscripts, and through the science and art of textual criticism, we can put together what we think is the original uh, writings of scripture. Rick Cornish, in his little book, Five-Minute Apologist, says, quote, By examining so many manuscripts that close to the autographs, scholars can reconstruct the original New Testament with amazing precision. They can determine the exact wording to within 99.5% accuracy, less than one word per page variation. Let me read that again. That's a quote from Rick Cornish. They can determine the exact wording to 99.5% accuracy, less than one word per page variation. Going on, quoting from Rick Cornish, the remaining minor differences are mostly spelling discrepancies, and no doctrine is affected. The New Testament we read today is reliable and therefore trustworthy. End quote. So how reliable is that Bible in your hand? It is extremely reliable. The copies we have today are extremely accurate. Through the science and art of textual criticism, we can look back and determine with a very high degree of accuracy what the original writings said. We can indeed build our house on that solid rock of God's Word as we obey His Word in everything that we do. Thank you for joining me today for this very brief look at the reliability of Scripture. I hope it has been helpful to you and will reassure you as you study God's Word and apply it to your life every day. 
Join me next time as we learn more about making disciples naturally. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the navigators, nor of the Kansas Communities Ministry. Thank you for listening.